Hi, this is Father Neil here, and welcome to the September 7th episode of the podcast, Catechism with Father Neil. Today, we'll be looking at numbers 2064 through 2074 of the Catechism. The Decalogue in the Christian Tradition. 2064. In fidelity to Scripture and in conformity with the example of Jesus, the tradition of the Church has acknowledged the primordial importance and significance of the Decalogue. 2065. Ever since St. Augustine, the Ten Commandments have occupied a predominant place in the catechesis of baptismal candidates and the faithful. In the 15th century, the custom arose of expressing the commandments of the Decalogue in rhymed formulae, easy to memorize and in positive form. They are still in use today. The catechisms of the Church have often expounded Christian morality by following the order of the Ten Commandments. 2066. The division and numbering of the commandments have varied in the course of history. The present catechism follows the division of the commandments established by St. Augustine, which has become traditional in the Catholic Church. It is also that of the Lutheran confessions. The Greek fathers worked out a slightly different version, which is found in the Orthodox churches and Reformed communities. 2067. The Ten Commandments state what is required in the love of God and the love of neighbour. The first three concern love of God and the other seven love of neighbour. As charity comprises the two commandments to which the Lord related the whole law and the prophets, so the Ten Commandments are themselves granted, given on two tablets. These are written on one tablet, and sorry, three are written on one tablet and seven on the other. 2068, the Council of Trent teaches that the Ten Commandments are obligatory for Christians and that the justified man is still bound to keep them. The Second Vatican Council affirms the bishops, successors of the apostles, receive the word of God, the mission of teaching all peoples and of preaching the gospel to every creature so that all men may attain salvation through faith, baptism and the observance of the commandments. The unity of the Decalogue, 2069. The Decalogue forms a coherent whole. Each word refers to each of the others and to all of them. They reciprocally condition one another. The two tables shed light on one another. They form an organic unity. To transgress one commandment is to infringe on all the others. One cannot honour another person without blessing God his creator. One cannot adore God without loving all men his creatures. The Decalogue brings man's freedom man's religious and social life into unity. The Decalogue and the Natural Law, 2070. The Ten Commandments belong to God's revelation. At the same time, they teach us the true humanity of man. They bring to light the essential duties and therefore indirectly the fundamental rights inherent in the nature of the human person. The Decalogue contains a privileged expression of the natural law. From the beginning, God had implanted in the heart of man the precepts of the natural law. Then he was content to remind him of them. This was the Decalogue. 2071. The commandments of the Decalogue, although accessible to reason alone, have been revealed. To attain a complete and certain understanding of the requirements of the natural law, sinful humanity needs this revelation. A full explanation of the commandments of the Decalogue became necessary in the state of sin, because the light of reason was obscured and the will had gone astray. 
We know God's commandments through the divine revelation proposed to us in the church and through the voice of the moral conscience. The the obligation of the Decalogue, 2072, since they express man's fundamental duties towards God and towards his neighbour, the Ten Commandments reveal in their primordial content grave obligations. They are fundamentally immutable and they oblige always and everywhere. No one can dispense from them. The Ten Commandments are engraved by God in the human heart. 2073. Obedience to the commandments also implies obedience in matter, which is in itself light. Thus, abuse of language is forbidden by the Fifth Commandment, but would be a grave offence only as a result of circumstances or of the offender's intention. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. The fruit referred to in this saying is holiness of life, made fruitful by union with Christ. When we believe in Jesus Christ and partake of his mysteries and keep his commandments, the Saviour himself comes to love in us. His Father and his brethren, our Father and our brethren, his person becomes, through the Spirit, the living and interior rule of our activity. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Okay, very good. So here we finish this uh, introduction to the, um, uh, to the Ten Commandments. Uh, looking at them in general, uh, tomorrow we'll be going into the, the First Commandment. And here we have this um, uh, lovely meditation on the, um, on, on the Ten Commandments, on this Decalogue. This, remember, this is the Greek word, meaning ten words. These ten words, which is the Jewish tradition, and it says that we're using... Uh, it's sometimes people can get slightly confused because um, the Protestants uh, have a slightly different formula for the Ten Commandments. So they have, um, basically, they they have uh, um, they have lo- they have divided out the first commandment into two commandments, and they have one that shall not make graven images. I think it is. I'm sorry, I'm not too familiar with the Protestant formulation, uh, but anyway. And then they have uh, put the ninth and the tenth together. Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife. Thou shalt not cover thy na- covet thy neighbor's goods are combined into a single commandment of thou shalt not covet. And again, it's fine. It's fine. We have these Ten Commandments. As I say, the best way to understand them maybe is to look at this um, summary at the beginning of this section of the Catechism and to see that there, you know, we have two Bible passages where God, which describe what God said on Mount Sinai. And when God spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, when he spoke to the people of Israel, on the um, really on the first Pentecost, not the Pentecost of the New Testament, the Pentecost of the Old Testament, the revelation on Sinai, and he gave Moses the two tablets, the two tablets of stone that were inscribed by the finger of God. And that these Ten Commandments, again, there are many more words than the easy formula we have to, um, to, to, to memorize. Our memorization formula is a summary of the Ten Commandments. It's a, it's something that we can that we can memorize, but it's um, it's shorter. You know, it's shorter, and so we um, 
so we have this uh, shorter version. And in some traditions, we're, our one is going all the way back to Augustine. Uh, the, the Protestants are using one that they, um, that they found in the East, in the Eastern churches. And uh, as I said, both are valid. Both are true. Both are right. Even this thing about the, the strange gods and the graven images, uh, we'll see that very soon, um, the, the, the importance of this and that uh, the understanding, the right understanding of this. But that we have these Ten Commandments and then just as historical interest in the Bible, we're told that the Ten Commandments were placed in the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is this box that they were carrying and that was placed in the Holy of Holies of the Temple and it contained basically the Ten Commandments and a little bit of the manna. The manna was given every day in the desert and when they entered the land of Israel, the people of Israel during the Exodus, uh, they entered the promised land and the manna stops appearing every morning. So they kept a little bit of the manna and they put it in the Ark of the Covenant and I suppose there might have been one or two other things in it. And this is what was in the Ark of the Covenant. And for all of the Indiana Jones fans, that's what was in the Ark of the Covenant and um, it was lost. It was lost. We've no idea where it is. The Ethiopian Orthodox Church claims to have it, but they say it's so holy that they won't show it to anybody. So uh, we don't know. Maybe they do. I mean, it would be lovely if they did. But anyway, we don't have the Ark of the Covenant anymore, but it contained these two tablets. But what we do have is we have the Ten Commandments, which is more important. Because it's not much good to have them written on stone if we don't follow them. Because not only have they been written on stone, but as we've seen for the last few days, they're also written in our hearts. And through revelation, they are made known to us. So that we can discern ourselves that Christianity has this very important mission of helping us to become what we should be. Helping us to be ourselves. Not to be dependent on anything else, but to be ourselves. To looking at Christ we can become who we truly should be. And so I'll finish now reading the in brief section, 2075. What good deed must I do to have eternal life? If you would enter into life, keep the commandments, 2076. By his life and by his preaching, Jesus attested to the permanent validity of the Decalogue, 2077. The gift of the Decalogue is bestowed from within the covenant, concluded by God with his people. God's commandments take on their true meaning in and through this covenant, 2078. In fidelity to scripture and in conformity with Jesus' example, the tradition of the church has always acknowledged the primordial importance and significance of the Decalogue, 2079. The Decalogue forms an organic unity in which each word or commandment refers to all the others taken together. To, tr to transgress one commandment is to infringe the whole law. 2080. The Decalogue contains a privileged expression of the natural law. It is made known to us by divine revelation and by human reason. 2081. The Ten Commandments in their fundamental content state grave obligations. However, obedience to these precepts also implies obligations in matter which is in itself light. And 2082. What God commands, he makes possible by his grace. Again, I'm, I'm in trouble for speaking after the uh, reading of the in brief. But anyway, this is what Christianity is about. What God commands, he makes possible by his grace. By his grace, we can be righteous. By his grace, 
we can act worthily by his grace we can live well by his grace we can fulfill the commandments if you try to do it by yourself you will fall flat on your face and the temptation then is to think that it's impossible but what is impossible for people is possible for god so we'll continue tomorrow and tomorrow we'll look at 2083 through 2094 god bless